Yes, hello, good morning, good afternoon, and a good evening to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the big debate, you know, football's biggest conversation. Uh, we were on a previous channel. We thank them for, you know, having us all these years, um, well, months, because that's all, all we really were there for. Uh, but we've branched out. We're on, a, we're on a brand new platform, but it's still the same show, still talking the same old nonsense and still the same annoying voices that you're going to have to put up with over the coming weeks, months and maybe years, depending on how successful this show is. Uh, but it's enough from me. Uh, I'm Matthew. I'm the host um, for this week, at least. You know, there, no, there may be a mutiny uh, coming up soon. You know, uh, Jose Mourinho-esque. There may be a player's revolt uh, from any one of my three panellists, and I'll introduce them to you now. Uh, first off, we'll go across the North Sea, if my uh, uh, knowledge of uh, British nautical culture is right, uh, to Holland, where we uh, welcome James Rowe. James, good evening to you. Good evening, everybody. How are you all? Good, good. Nice to nice to hear you. Um, back uh, back on home soil after your uh, brief stint at Craven Cottage, which you enjoyed ever so much, didn't you? All, did. all thanks to me. Yes, and I am grateful. It was a wonderful, uh, wonderful away day and a wonderful memory. Would you have said the exact same thing had the scoreline been reversed? Uh, uh, yes, I would say exactly yeah. the same thing because I like to think I'm honest. Exactly. See, Craven Cottage does that to some people. You know, it's a it's a lovely ground. Yeah. Everyone forgets their worries when they go to Craven Cottage, except for maybe my next guest. He's uh, the relevant. He's the resident Newcastle fan on the show who hasn't had much success when it comes to going to Craven Cottage over the years. It's my good friend. It's your good friend. He's hero to the Gallagate and inconsistent liar. He's Marcus Shearer. Marcus, good evening to you. I hate Craven Cottage, and that's not a lie. <laughs> I hate uh, that. So much. I think I'm, I've probably seen them score like four goals and lose about seven times now. Because that, 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 that's across eight trips, isn't it? Something like that. It's absolutely gross, including reverse fixture at St. James's as well. I just like you haven't even you haven't even, got, you haven't even got a point. That's the fun part. Didn't get a draw. Nothing. Nada. Nothing. It's, yeah. The less I see of Fulham, the better. But anyway, good to be here. Good to speak to you again, Matt. Yada yada yada. <laughs> Exactly. Pleasantries out of the way. But now we introduce the man who um, spearheaded this whole operation and does still spearhead this operation. The guy who uh, made the call for us to um, leave our former hosts and to go on this new adventure. We're all here because of him. It's our resident Leeds fan, uh, Chris Waddle lookalike and just all round a nice chap. It's Colin. Colin, a good evening to you. Good evening. Hello there. How are we doing? Good. Have you you haven't had any experiences of Craven Cottage, have you? I'm trying to think, when was the last time Leeds had a chance to go to Craven Cottage? Ooh. Well, it would have been last year. Yeah, well, <laughs> last yeah, year. yeah, last year. No, I'm not. I was going to say not, not even in the Premier League in the old Premier League days. Um, well, I, I could have probably popped in to see them, but I just chose not to. I chose not to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mark, Marcus, Marcus probably applauds your decision. I'm sure he does. But. Oh, man. Yeah, but now enough of the introductions. We need to kick off straight into the debates. And what we're going to do is we're just going to um, uh, what uh, we'll just give a brief premise of the show. What we're going to do is we're just going to give a brief outline of what our topics are going to be. Each member of the panel has brought their own topics, rather than us, you know, uh, just coming up with three and me introducing every single one. This is going to be one that each of the panelists, you know, feel passionately about. This is something that they've obviously seen during the week that they feel strongly about, and they want to they want to be the one uh, that talks about it and sets everything up. And um, I'm going to kick off with James this week because I think James is going to be probably the most interesting one. So James, what have you got for us this week? Uh, my question to the panel is Thierry Henry has recently been appointed manager of Monaco. He only retired four years ago from his playing career. Is there a danger now that managerial appointments are being based on popularity, not competence? Uh, Colin, I'll you know I'll let you I'll let you take the first hand of you know Leeds have gone through a recent uh, I say recent this summer managerial change with Marcelo Bielsa. He was certainly given the job. Uh, based on you know his competence, he's obviously you know managed all around the world, around Europe. Uh, came in with this, you know, came with thing, uh, with a lot of you know with a lot of hype. But you know Leeds fans wouldn't have accepted who's the who's the who's the hero of these days. Harry Kuehl, there you go, he's into management. Ooh. They wouldn't have accepted Leeds. They wouldn't accept him at Leeds, would they? Um, well, to, to be honest, we've had a few players that have sort of dabbled with us. Uh, Gary McAllister was a manager for a little while. <laughs> 
Um, you've, you've got to remember as well, Matt, that th th my club's experienced Dave Hockaday um, before. So um, we're, we're not at all... Um, Immune to weird coaches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we've 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 uh, we've definitely had a, a good list of weird coaches. Um, but I think James, specifically, your point is on sort of ex-players being thrown in at the deep end. Um, and two things that came to my mind was Stephen Gerrard at Rangers and Frank Lampard at Derby County. And <clears throat> it, it's a difficult one because it, it does. Thierry Henry have any sort of, you know, deep roots with AS Monaco? Well, he came through the youth system and uh, and played for the club more than a hundred times. Okay, well then he's got he's got a link there. Um, but to elaborate on my point as well, Colin, if you look at the French league, you've got some really good managers that are managing the likes of Amiens, Christophe Pellisset. Uh, Rudy, Rudy Garcia at Marseille is doing a fine job. Uh, Christophe uh, Galtier is doing a good job at Lille. Why not choose one of those man uh, managers to take the step up and manage Monaco, who's someone who's been managing for significantly, significantly longer? Why does it have to be someone who's, in, in, all, in all honesty, not retired not, not that long ago? And because it's popular... Uh, it appears to be to, to have been the decisive decision. You've got managers that have been managing for years um, that have learnt their trade before taking on big jobs. And and I, I believe that if you start small and you build your way up and you learn your trade, um, it can stand you in good stead for the long run. Having recently spoke to da uh, interviewed Danny Cowley back in uh, back in August, and he's manager been manager of Lincoln for quite some time. And he's really enjoying the post and he's extended his contract. Uh, Danny Cowley said to me, he said, continuity is such a rare thing in football. And he wants to keep hold of it and he's on a managerial journey and he wants to build. And I commend that really because I don't believe that Thierry Henry would have had experience about releasing particularly young players, 17, 18, 19, whose contracts are not extended at Monaco, what that can do to a young player. And I just think that the popularity now of the decision, specifically in management, you know, you've got to cast the net wide. You've got to get someone in with experience. I mean, I mean, I believe he's got a hell of a job on his hands. And I was looking at the league on the table this morning. Monaco are after nine games at the risk of becoming cut adrift already. And should things get worse, is he really the man to get them out of this pickle? I'm not so sure. So and is yet, it... So is the is the issue really that it's his first job? You you'd rather Thierry Henry had cut his, you know, cut his teeth you know, somewhere down the line, somewhere maybe in the French second division. There was talk, there was talk of him very briefly um, going to Aston Villa, which I never, I never personally believe. But basically, you think that uh, taking on such a high, uh, such a job at a to some extent high profile club in Monaco. It's a bit. It's a bit. You know, quick for that to be your first job. Is that more or less what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. But I think I think the onus as well, the popularity of choosing a former player. You've got to go and scour the domestic leagues where there's coaches that are doing a fine job and give them a step up. You know, it wasn't so long ago that if you were continuing to do well, that you would get overtures from better clubs and you'd be able to further your career as a manager. And now it just seems that. The most popular choice is the one that they go for when that doesn't always reflect competence, does it? I can't see uh, Thierry Henry succeeding long term at Monaco. I certainly can't see him succeeding in a relegation fight. But because it's obviously a, an Arsenal legend and a Monaco legend, it appears to be tolerated. Okay, and now I, I, just, so I, just, I just find that just a little bit strange and a little bit disrespectful to the French managers like Rudy Garcia at Marseille, like Christophe Pellisset at Amiens, and like um, Christophe Galtier, who was previously doing fantastic work, work with St Etienne, why not choose one of those three to become the new manager of Monaco? Why? Okay, I, I think hang on, just I, I think I think I get where you're going with this, James. There's one person who's had an excellent experience of this, whose uh, whose club has appointed a club legend. Whilst in a uh, relegation battle, Marcus, how did that one work out? Not great. Oh, well, short term, not great, but then long term, good. 
but then longer than because you got Chris Hutton out of it. Yeah, but yeah, and so on and so on. Uh, to come back to a couple of points there. Point number one in terms of weird managerial appointments. I don't think everyone's topping my Trump of John Carver. Okay, nothing comes close to that. That was just absolutely absurd. Moving on from there, in regards to this subject, uh, the way I see it, it's a kind of comes across as like if if the boot fits, then you go with it. Because when when you think of someone like Thierry Henry for a first gig. Uh, he's going back to a club where he started his career. Uh, he's moving to a very cushy, sort of comfortable area of France, so he's not going to have to worry about adapting to a new environment or even new surroundings because it's something he's familiar with. And it depends on the expectations of the club. Now, if it's solely to keep them in Ligue 1 uh, and to not challenge the likes of uh, PSG and anyone else at the top of that table, then maybe he'd be able to find his own feet now where he's got between October and May to stabilise the club, uh, as opposed to eight games to save them from, you know, whatever drastic situation they might find themselves in. So he's got a bit more time to adapt. He's in a sort of comfortable environment, maybe not so much as expected of him. Uh, whilst it is a shame to not give, you know, more opportunities to different coaches who may or may not be doing well in the French leagues, it's, um, it's, a, it's a money-making business, isn't it? AS Monaco will get more press coverage appointing someone like Thierry Henry with his prestige. Uh, and maybe maybe Monaco have, uh, you know, done their scouting on him. Maybe they've seen the records of, you know, watching Belgium uh, get to third place in the World Cup over the summer. And maybe there was a recommendation off the back of Roberto Martinez saying what an excellent coach he was and what he contributed to that team that they could also bring to Monaco. You know, we're all sitting here now, three or four weeks ago, you know, the thought of AS Monaco didn't even cross our minds. Now we're all talking about them because of this uh, high-profile appointment. If they had gone for the coach of St. Etienne or Lille or, or anyone else or even outside, you know, going to the Portuguese League or wherever they want to go, we probably wouldn't bat an eyelid. But it's because it is that big household name. It's what brings in the numbers, brings in more coverage. More people will be putting more, you know, um, AS Monaco may even get uh, uh, more uh, TV coverage in France in general now, because off the back of this. Yeah, interesting point. Colin, have you got uh, anything more to add? Yeah, I, I can see both sides on this, and I don't really know which way I fall. The, the only... I mean, I, I'm not going to make any friends here, but to, to sort of negate Marcus's point, I understand all the attention and everything, but then it goes back to James's point, but is that fair? Just because he's a big name and they're going to get TV coverage, does that mean he's the, the right man for the job? But then on James's side, I think some of the things you're saying, James, sounds very Sam Allardyce to me. You know, do you remember the Sam Aladici? You know, saying, oh, I'll ne get, never get offered the Real Madrid job. Um, and, and, and this whole thing we've heard, especially from a lot of perhaps bitter British managers, you know, who haven't got a chance in the Premier League. Um, and so I'm sort of stuck between both of those, really. Um, I mean, heck, at the end of the day, I mean, what, if Thierry Henry doesn't do a good job, I guess like every other manager, he's going to get sacked, isn't he? So then they'll get another manager. So if Monaco have got the money, I'm sure they have, then is it worth a gamble? But the strides that the club have made in recent years, particularly under Jardim, the club made tremendous strides from a, a mid-table French side that always had potential to get into a Champions League semi-final, knocking out season Champions League sides and uh, and winning a French title. I wager if they hadn't have chosen Jardim for that gig, they wouldn't have won, they wouldn't have achieved those things. And if you look back into the, um, I think it's the year 2000 when the current Leicester manager Claude Puel won the league with them. You know, but he he had experience. He's um, he's gone on to manage uh, decent clubs as well and and stabilise his reputation. I just I just think when when a player is just barely finished playing and has very little experience to go straight in at that end, you know, I just think I just think the popularity of decisions now is just taking over a little bit, and I just uh, find it a bit 
disconcerting, to be honest. But he's not had minimal experience. He's been coaching with the Belgium national side as well, alongside an experienced manager in Roberto Martinez. Yeah, so but Mar- Marcus... I know, maybe he's done his badges and maybe he feels now's the time is right to go to somewhere in a comfortable environment, not going to somewhere like Fleetwood, like Joey Barton did, or Notts County, like Kevin Nolan did, which may be more, more appropriate for those type of characters. He's going to somewhere that he's familiar with. He's going to a club that's familiar with him and his prestige and the honours that he's won down the years. And maybe they're putting their trust in him and the players will look up to a figure like that, respond to that and then perform as appropriate. The question, I suppose, is who approached who? Did Thierry Henry say, right, I noticed there's a there's a job going at Monaco here. I'm going to put my name forward. Or did the people at Monaco say, hang on, who's available? Let's weigh up our options. We could go X, Y, Z. Or, hang on, we've got, again, as you say, Marcus, you know, Roberto Martinez, as soon as uh, the job became available, could have just nudged a direction to say, Hang on, Thierry Henry. No, I, w- I wouldn't mind letting him go. You know, no, I wouldn't know. You have my blessing to talk to him. He used to play for you. Go on then. We don't 100% know what the what the situation was. Who approached who? So that could play could play a big part in this. Whether or not, again, whether or not Henri said, "I'd like to, co- I want this to be my, I want this to be my first job." In which case, uh, Monaco probably. Thierry Henry seems it comes across as a knowledgeable pundit. He probably knows what he's talking about. Let's go with him. Anyone? Poss- Anyone possibly, possibly. I, f- I think it might be uh, six of one and a half a dozen in the other. To be honest, when you go from uh, giving Chardim um, the reins uh, for four years, and before that Claudio Ranieri, who both coaches had uh, significant experience abroad, Chardim um, was sporting Lisbon as well, and Ranieri with Chelsea, and and and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, ju- I just think as well. May- I think maybe the owner thinks he's a bit. Is obliged to, to to stay in the limelight. Is obliged to be uh, to be seen as the saviour of the club. Perhaps it's just um, yeah, it's a it's a bit strange in my book. I'd say this is Monaco trying to stay relevant and trying to stay as relevant as PSG are. Um, just Good, decent point, uh, Marcus. Yeah, that that's the way it comes across to me. I, I would I would wager that it was probably the club approaching Thierry Henry and asking him if he was up for the challenge, and. <laughs> You know, he, he, you know, Henri was questioned a few months ago about the Arsenal job, wasn't he? And when, you know, he answered, say, look, I would never say no if they asked me. This could be a similar situation with his, uh, his first club that he started in his playing career. Indeed. Right. I think that just about wraps up this uh, part of the debate. Uh, by all means, you know, we we have our topics that we want to discuss, but by all means, feel free to let us know on Twitter. We don't have a Twitter yet. Someone will come up with... Ignore this bit. Ignore for the, for week one. We'll just we haven't come up with the Twitter handle yet. Uh, I blame Colin personally, um, but we'll get around to it. But any future additions, any future questions you want to ask, by all means, feel free to send them in. No reasonable, uh, no reasonable uh, subject will be turned down. Uh, we now go out in alphabetical order around the table. Uh, Marcus, Marcus, you're next. What have, uh, what have you brought for us today? All right, I'll take it from here. So, I've noticed, you know, as a Newcastle fan, believe it or not, um, our fan base feels a sort of lot of, generally a lot of hostility. Uh, be that to players, be that to managers, be that to the board, and how it, and um, and so on. And it's about the emotional attachment that you have to football, and where you draw the line, and you start to remember that some of these people are human beings. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a dinner organised by Mike Ashley uh, to gather the manager and the players to sort out any any arguments going on in the dressing room and what the problems are and how to resolve it and so on. And word got out to anti-Mike Ashley uh, protesters and things like that. They came to the ground, came to the restaurant even. Um, uh, Mike Ashley was focused in his car, uh, putting two fingers in between his ear, almost giving like a sort of V gesture to them. And... You know, when you go to the ground on match days, you just, I, you know, I, I've been amongst it and I've heard it myself. I've heard some absolute terrible derogatory terms, be them racist or otherwise. And my question is, you know, when it comes to players, when it comes to managers, when it comes to anyone involved in football, where do we draw the line? And we have to remember, actually, whilst they are paid as much as they are and whilst they are exposed as, exposed as much as they are in the limelight, 
where do we stop and just remember that they are human beings and we you know sort of try and take a step away from being so emotionally attached and you know in terms of abusing players and just like where where do you draw the line okay who wants to kick off that uh james i'll go to you first uh well i i think that people have to remember that they have to think before they open their mouths i think there's some supporters of certain clubs that are so passionate that are so involved that they won't necessarily think twice about abusing someone so long as they can get their point across and you see the the power of social media now i saw a um I saw a a short interview with old Arsenal player Kevin Campbell who stated that social media now, in terms of uh, people getting in contact with professional players and sending out a tweet and then hitting the tweet button, you know, years ago, people would write letters and they were criticising letters where they'd have to put pen to paper. And uh, and now you've got the uh, instant uh, messaging and the instant opinions of everybody. And I just think we've reached a stage now where many, many people, uh, fans that view themselves as having a very high opinion, who who maybe take part in fan channels or consider themselves to have a lot of clout, I think we've reached a stage now where people don't necessarily think before they open their mouth. And Michael says, right, you're dealing with human beings. They've also got livelihoods. They've also got um, responsibilities and commitments. And I just think sometimes people just go a little bit too far and they could help themselves by just taking a step back and uh, and remembering and, and, and thinking about what they actually want to say before they go uh, hot-headed and criticise and fly off the handle. Yeah, I think James brings in brings an interesting point in the fact that this this is probably something that isn't it's not a modern thing. This has been going on for forever, you know, in in football and in and in sport in general. But, but the fact is now. We can see where everything everything that happened. You know, James said that in the old day, you know, in the old days, you used to, used to be you write a letter to whoever it was saying, you know, I don't. Want, it probably it probably did at some stage get to the stage of death threats. I'm ninety percent sure that David Beckham after the World Cup in '98 had death threats sent to um, the Manchester United training ground from when he came back from duty. I'm statistically, I'm sure it happened. Whereas now. You you can you you can voice your your opinion in for in the form of a tweet or on in a post or a, a picture on Instagram or whatever, and now everyone can see it. So I don't think this is it's it's not a modern thing. It's something that's always been happening. But the fact is now everyone can see it, and the way that social media and the way the world works now, it just gets blown up ad infinitum for for the whole world to see. Um, Colin, your your any thoughts from you on this? Yeah, I mean, I'd just uh, throw into the mix that I think um, you've been a little bit nanny state on on the players. I mean, these are meant to be football hard men. And I can appreciate sometimes, you know, players have challenges, you know, mental health problems, illnesses, and they might need a shoulder around their arm occasionally. But there are a lot of players who are generally well, genuinely bad eggs. You know, Joey Barton is an asshole, right? Jermaine Pennant was on Jeremy Kyle this week. He's an asshole, right? And if, if the argument is that we've got to, oh, you know, think about how it makes Jermaine feel, or, do you know, is Joey in a safe place? Do you know, at some point, I think you've got to say, well, no, hold on a minute. Just like everybody else, okay, some people are going to like you. Some people are not going to like you. You can have good times in your life. You can have bad times in your life. Why do footballers, why should they get so mollycoddled? You know, are they not mollycoddled already? Because they're paid, you know, a huge salary. Um, something that we will never dream of. So, I do understand it. Because as a person, you don't want anybody to be picked on or bullied or hurt. However, I think as well... Sometimes you've got to be able to take the criticism. Um, and I don't think it's always as one-sided as it seems. I don't think all these players are holier than thou. Um, I think a lot of loyalty has gone out of the game. Um, and I think a lot of them will quite happily stab their boyhood club in the back um, to double their salary. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd throw into the mix. Okay, but even you must sort of recognise that there there is a limit to. I, you know, I'm not. 
I don't think you no know, players are immune to criticism. You know, if you know, I pick you know the Fulham the Fulham team that went to Cardiff yesterday, they're not immune to criticism. They put in a terrible performance, but surely you even you must recognise that so long as we're criticising what goes on on the pitch, then yes, absolutely, that that that's fine. That's that's fair game. But it's when you bring things that go on outside and off the pitch into it that that's where where the where the problem comes in you know these players they have i think you know you said they they came into this world of sports and wanted to be an athlete you know they should know what the pressures are if you didn't want to be able to if you didn't want or didn't think you could handle the pressure of you know playing for 90 minutes every week having to deal with um uh, penalties or having to, having to defend for your life or whatever. If you didn't think you could do it, then you picked the wrong career. But as long as you're criticizing what they're doing on the pitch and you don't bring their families or anything into that, I think everyone can agree that that, you know, that's a line that shouldn't be crossed. I think that's the point the market is trying to make. So long as, you know, so long as you're not attacking their, no, their, their personal life, then what, then what happens on the pitch is fine, but just don't take it off the pitch. That's yeah. That's that's the point for most parts. You know, I see it a lot on social media. I see it with new culture striker at the moment, Kai Jossalu, keeps putting up pictures of him with his young uh, baby daughter and says spending time with the family, this, that, and the other. And all I see are streams of comments saying you're shit, you don't score enough goals, you're going down, you're rubbish, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, you know, time and place. But more than that. It's just if with some fans, like when I turn up to whether it's home or away, wherever it might be, if someone mishits a shot or someone misplaces a pass and it goes out for a throw in or a goal kick to the other end, just the absolute sort of um, ridiculous abuse that comes from the pitch from the sorry from the fans going out, I just I can't get my head around it. If I see John Joe Shelby misplace a pass, which isn't often, but if I do, then I'm just gonna think. Okay, you got that wrong. You'll get the next one correct. I won't lose my rag over it because it's almost like fans are just turning up for an hour and a half just to have a piss and a moan and then go home again. Like you just you're there to sort of enjoy the experience of it and just sort of, you know, get behind the positive aspects of it and then just, you know, you know, obviously if the um if they keep making mistakes and they keep, you know, ballsing things up then fair enough. But just to not have that much of an emotional attachment to it. It just seems unhealthy to me. I, I know where you're coming from, Marcus, and I'm being devil's advocate here because I don't agree with the point I'm about to make. But is there an argument that if you buy a season ticket at St. James's Park, you're entitled to your opinion? Because that, that, that ain't How cheap, you right? You've got to work hard to pay for that season ticket. It's expensive. So if you think there's something wrong, surely you should have your opportunity to vent your frustrations. I think that's what the fans forum would be for. But surely if you see something at a match, Marcos, like for example, I um, went to Arsenal Atletico Madrid semi-final of the Europa League back in April. And when um, Cristiani made that mistake, which led to the equaliser, I cannot repeat on this podcast what I shouted out in that stadium. Oh, go on. And I, and I, go no, on. I won't. I won't. Not on the first pod. Maybe one day. But okay. And um, and the guy sitting next to me started to moan at me for saying what I said. And I explained my reasons why I said it. And then uh, and then once he'd listened to me, he said, oh, you're right. I said, no, I said, it's just my opinion and I'm entitled to it. And um, I think I think, you know, when you got paid, I mean, in my case, I, I you know, I, I take a flight to go and watch my team play. I don't I, I, it's my own choice. But if I'm watching my team play live and I see something and I want to, to to say about it or shout about it or whatever it may be, you know, I paid my money. I'm, I'm, I'm entitled to say it. And I can understand your points about fan forums and things like that. But when you're there and when you're caught up in the moment and it's the difference between going to a European final and not going to a European final you can sometimes think to yourself, you know, you're going to say what you want to say because you've been a fan for many, many years and you're there to support your team and you want to see them successful. Yeah, I understand getting caught up in the emotion of it. It's just how much you get caught up in it. And when it starts to boil over, when you start to reel it in, I've 
personally, I've been in you know stands and I've heard some absolutely horrific comments. I'm not going to repeat them now because they were racial slurs um, from our own fans to their own players. Uh, player went on to score a last-minute winner at the end of the match, and I'm sure he was cheering him on like every other fan in the ground. And it's just like you know, so I don't really sort of understand the excuse of you know, within sort of within the moment you'll say irrational things because there's no place for things like that. Here's a, yeah. here's an example. Oh, sorry, carry on, carry on. Here's, here's an example, Marcus. What would you do in this scenario? Because this oh. is a true scenario that happened to me. I'm a Leeds United fan. They were playing uh, a local small club, non-league club, called Osset United. Um, it was mainly the kids um, and a couple of the players who were basically on the transfer list um, who were playing you know, to get fitness, things like that. Um, on their way out of this non-league ground, um, most of the Leeds players were put onto a, a minibus to take them back to... I presume Ellen Road or the uh, training ground. Four Parch. Four Parch, yeah, perhaps. And then Unan O'Kane, okay, drove off himself in his Bentley, right? Now, this is a town that hasn't probably seen a Bentley for 10 years, right? And not only that, but his teammates, who he's just played alongside, are stuck in a Ford Transit. Right, he could quite easily have got on the bus himself, but no, he chooses to drive his own Bentley there. How how do you think I, as a Leeds fan, should react seeing that? Where did that player have to go after the match? See, I don't know the ins and outs of that story. Like, I I don't know if he has to go elsewhere. Maybe that player was transfer listed and had to go to an airport. Maybe he had to go to a different place to wherever the other players were going. Well, I, get, I, I, get, I can see. I can see where Connor's coming with this. In that yeah. in that situation, I it is a, it is a case of hang on. Yeah, you, you know you don't want to you don't want to start a ten minute rant. You don't want to you know go up to him and confront him or anything. But I think in that case there is a bit of hang on, mate. That's a little bit too far. The, the, the bus driver could have dropped him off at Leeds Bradford Airport. He could have got a taxi. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate all that. It's just I don't know the ins and outs. But you, you want to see all your teammates together. And like you know, if it's good enough for everyone else, then it should be good enough for them. Uh, it's in that respect, it's individualism. And you know, maybe that player went on to leave the club, and you are better off for it. Yeah, and and well, here's here's another thing that maybe sides with what you're saying. I can't remember which club he went to. I think he went to a League One club or a League Two club on loan, and broke his leg. And a lot of Leeds United fans said, "Well, you know what." What goes around comes around. Karma, isn't it? <laughs> so, <coughs> I don't know. There's, is that is that a bad thing? Yeah, there's always going to be players that do deserve abuse for acting like arseholes on the pitch. That whether it's the likes of you know your players that throw in extra stamps, or whether ones that are just generally sort of a bit more you know not hard men, but just sort of you know bend the rules in their favour, or the ones that dive the likes of Suarez, people like that. Those will get rightful abuse you misplace a pass or you miss a shot or even if you miss an open goal does that deserve all the abuse that you should get you know and i'm going beyond you know i can just about take you know what were you doing your shit and just like okay you can you're allowed to be angry in that moment but it's after that when you get stuff like when they bring in families or kids or whatever it is after that it's just where i just get a little bit lost at it and just like you know he got it wrong and you have absolutely zero control over it. Why get so emotionally riled up by it? So you're at Newcastle. You're watching a match. They're mm-hmm. getting absolutely hammered because they're crap at the moment, right? Been and, there, yeah. And so you're, what you're doing is you're in the stands and you're going, "Oh, that was rubbish. Down with this sort of thing. Try <laughs> harder, boys. Try harder." You, you know, but you're not saying that, are you? Really? You're giving um, them... no, if anything, I'm saying oh, bollocks. Oh well, I've got a day out of this because you know I'm not. I'm not. You know, when I go for a, an away day, I'm not in it particularly for the football match. I'm in it to see a new area, to you know, see new places, to go to new grounds, to meet new people, and just be part of the sort of a uh, be part of the moment. That's why I went to watch Newcastle play at Spurs in May. It wasn't because I thought they were going to win. It's because Newcastle were playing at Wembley Stadium. It was almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. You want to I see some football? That. No, well, I just wanted a day out at Wembley Stadium watching Newcastle play there. 
doesn't matter if they lost 1-0, 5-0 or 1-10-0. Yeah. It's about the day out and enjoying it. So when John Joe Shelby hit the crossbar or post, whatever it was, at a free kick, I didn't think, you ball twat, why didn't you put that in the back of the net? For bollocks, that was close. We might get the next one. Right, I think we need to bring an end to this before Marcus and Colin come to uh, <laughs> two verbal, two verbal a blow, just in case. Uh, but, it's, but, it's an, but it's an interesting discussion, and yeah, you know, it it is an interesting. Uh, it is an interesting discussion. It's something that, you know we can touch on further down the line. And when it comes to fans being angry at uh, performances, um, there's a very good example of what's of uh, some bad performances going on, and fans maybe getting a little bit angry. And that's why Colin is just about to touch on the subject. Aren't you, Colin? Indeed, indeed, Matt. My topic for this podcast uh, revolves around Jose Mourinho. Um, I believe that the time has come for Jose Mourinho to pack it up. Um, He's yesterday's man. And we saw a little bit of the shenanigans um, this weekend just gone with the match against Chelsea. Um, and yes, fair enough, he was provoked, um, but should he have reacted in that manner? Um, and, and lest we forget, I mean, here's just a few of the highlights of, of the charge sheet, if you like, that's against Mourinho. Um, the issue with uh, Eva Canero, the female physio running onto the pitch, um, who allegedly called a son of a bitch, um, poking Tito Villanova in the eye, um, God knows why he'd want to do that. Um, and he, he doesn't seem to have any longevity at any of his clubs. And, and I think his tenure at Manchester United is coming to an end. And in an early prediction um, that I think all of us guys did for Man on the Post, um, we had to predict which manager we thought would be sacked first. And I said Jose Mourinho, and I'm still very confident about that. Um, and... I think there's a real problem with Jose. I think he's he's becoming a bit of a dinosaur. I don't think he can adapt his style of play. I think football's changed. It's become more attacking. And I think, yeah, to conclude, Jose is yesterday's man. Right, attack me. <laughs> I, I, will answer, I will just ask this one question. I do somewhat agree with you in the fact that, you know, his football... Uh, his footballing philosophy doesn't seem to be as good as it as good as it once was. Maybe it's just the squad that he's working with. Maybe the players can't adapt to it in such a way. I don't know. But all this stuff about um, you know the physio about poking the eye, does he get all this criticism if he's winning the last uh, nine? If he's winning the last nine games, does he get all this attention and all the stuff? Do, are you basically asking this question? if Man United are first or second two points behind the leaders in the league? Uh, well, that question wouldn't be raised, would it? Because I, I think because he's uh, past his best, you know, he's a little bit like that cheese that's at the back of the fridge um, that for some reason, you, you know, you, you still keep in there, even though it should have been chucked away years ago. Uh, I, yeah, in his pomp, he was lauded and correctly so. But that was a long time ago. And... Um, I don't think he should be getting lauded anymore. So this is more about what he's doing on the pitch rather than what he's doing off it. Yeah, it's it's the it's the man, it's the person. You could even go into his demeanour, you know, just the way he sits there like a fart in a trance, watching the game. Um, it, it doesn't even seem to... And he's done this, you know, at the other clubs he's been at before, you know, whether it be Real Madrid, Chelsea... He, he he's almost looking like that's the last place he'd want to be, and I, and I just don't think one he's a very nice person, and two um, he's all that anymore. I think perhaps you know a little bit like Wenger, his time's been and now it's gone. <laughs> okay, I, I, again I can I can somewhat understand that argument, you know. Um, as you said, he is one of those managers that, you know, you know what's the famous thing? Uh, third year syndrome. He has three years at a club and then he's gone. This is now his third year. So maybe it is time for him to 
move on somewhere else. But do you think that this is based? Do you are you basically saying that this should be his last job in management? You're saying this should be his last job in management. Is what you're saying? I would question whether there is any other club of a, a major stature that would touch him. I think he's tainted goods. Do you think the Portuguese national team would touch him? No. Really? Yeah. Go on, Marcus, take over. Uh, I think that's the, the only gig left for him, but I don't think now's the time for it. I'm pretty sure I raised this with Matt. Um, yeah, it, might, it might even be a couple of years ago now when he got sacked from Chelsea. I think he's lost his love for the game. I think that's the main issue for him here. Mm. I think the way he's getting hounded by the press as is, uh, and, you know, there's a story, you know, constantly written like so the story from yesterday won't be about you know the Chelsea assistant manager who again I cannot remember his name it's been brought up several times uh you know the headlines will be Jose Mourinho has gone for Chelsea's assistant manager because that's what's going to sell more papers as a household name I think he would do well to do what Pep Guardiola did in taking a year's sabbatical out of football uh and then coming back stronger Namely, for his country, uh, you know, be it for the 2020 Euro campaign or the 2022 World Cup, maybe post-Cristiano Ronaldo era, something like that would be best for him. Um, Hang on, you say post-Cristiano Ronaldo, don't you want to see that just once? Even if it's one game, Cristiano Ronaldo being managed by Jose Mourinho for Portugal, wouldn't that be the hottest ticket in world football? It, it it would I mean it would put a lot of backsides on seats for sure, uh, but I don't think Jose Mourinho's emotionally up to it. What I would say in terms of his football credentials is um, I can give you two trophies as to why he still got it in, in the last two seasons at least. You know, be it however much he has or hasn't spent, he is a winner. The tenth, for... the tenth, nine nine points behind Manchester City, their it's rivals. October. After nine it's games, October. nine points behind after nine games. It's game October. Match. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's also October. It depends on what their targets are for the season. I don't, I don't buy into this argument of comparing Manchester United and Manchester City anymore because I can't compare Manchester City to anyone else in the Premier League. Period. Not even Liverpool. They're just with their with the squad that they have. Even losing, well, I think Kevin De Bruyne has just come back, hasn't he? Even when he dropped out and he was meant to be, you know, away for months, you know. No one really batted an eyelid because of the depth of squad that they that they have. They are their own entity now. It's just that they're, you know, there's not really much anyone can do. But but here, but here in life's they, thing, the, the big names should be turning teams around, and Jose isn't doing that. Jurgen Klopp has made Liverpool stronger. Unai Emery has made Arsenal a lot stronger. Pochettino has made Spurs a lot stronger. And between the three of them, they've won nothing. Yeah. You know, whereas Jose Mourinho has has you know had success, has accolades at Manchester United today, and may get more. James, you think James? I just want to bring in James here because he's been he's been somewhat quiet on on this debate so far. James, no, I was just letting everybody talk, of course, and it's important for everybody to have their turn and have their say. Um, I don't think Mourinho's helped himself with his behaviour in recent years. You know, in terms of when he's particularly at Real Madrid making the biggest club in the world all about him. Uh, before he went to uh, Real Madrid, he, his stock could not be higher. Every team in the world wanted to have him. Everybody wanted to have him. He was uh, he was driven. He was fresh, you know, a Champions League winner of Inter. And then to, to reach the summit, if you like, of the biggest club in the world and then start to make it all about you uh, doesn't really... Uh, sit sit well and then obviously returning to Chelsea and being re- relieved of your duties and then going on to Manchester United I fully agree with Marcus I, I think that he'd do well to have some time out I think he'll continue in club management I think um, I think someone will have him and as regards to the Portuguese national job Fernando Santos who won the Euros with Portugal is currently 64 years old and I think extremely current uh, comfortable in his role as the national team manager. I can't see that becoming vacant for a bit, at least before Euro 2020. And uh, Mourinho has often said he wants to manage Portugal one day. 
but I think he'll have to wait a while. But I think he'd be wise just to ride this out. And um, you know, if he if he was to win a trophy at the end of this season, I think maybe resign and take a take a um, some time out and then recharge the batteries because I think. Marcus makes a great point about the love for the game that he had. He had that at Porto, he had that at Chelsea, he had that at Inter. And then after that, it appeared to just really dwindle, really, where it was his name that was getting getting him the, um, the new jobs and what's gone before, rather than the, the recent successes of building a club up and, and making sure the club improves. Okay, so... Do so- you think that... Do you think that... Hang on. Do you think that winning a trophy this year, be it... Well, I'm, they're still in the FA Cup... They're still in, no, technically, in the Champions League, although depending on how things go, they could you know, do an Arsenal, drop down to the Europa League and then go and win that. Um, does winning a trophy this year save him? Or do you think if it's a, if it's a trophy for the season, that's it, he's gone? Well, no, I think he'd do himself a favour if he, if he was to win a trophy, I think to save the, uh, to save him, to, to keep the honour on himself kind of thing. You know, I think he'd do. He'd be wise to resign, and then and take some time out rather than push the boat again. Okay, Colin, back to you. Now where they're currently, where they're currently tenth, and um and out of the league, got knocked out of the league cup by Derby. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, I, I don't know if you've been watching Manchester United recently, but they ain't gonna win a sausage. You know, if he wants, if he, if Jose wants to win something, he needs to get down to the seaside and get a load of 20Ps and get them claw machines because that's the only thing he's going to win this year. I mean, my question to each of you would be, do you think he's going to see the rest of the season out? Yes. Yes, he'll see. I've just, I, just did a, I just did a quick search. His contract runs out in 2020. I think they let... I think they, being Manchester United, let the season, let the contract run out and assess things from there. If they, you know, manage to turn this around and finish third, go deep in the Champions League and go deep in the FA Cup, then that will that will be enough to save his job. If it comes around and they're fifth, they get knocked out in the round of 16 of the Champions League and they get knocked out in the fourth round by, well, by anyone, then I think they they then I think they pull the trigger. I think that I think they'll let him run this season out personally. Yeah, I, I think he'll see out this season. I think United, in terms of contractual obligations and the payoff that he would be due if he was to be sacked, and the reputation that the Glazers have, and what Woodward has put put on the line to secure Mourinho and keep Mourinho in a job, I can't see him. Uh, I can't see them disposing of him um, before the season's out. Okay, second question to each of you. He's left Chelsea under a cloud, Inter Milan under a cloud, Real Madrid under a cloud, and possibly Manchester United. We don't know. It might turn it around. Where, even after, let's say, a year sabbatical, where would you see him next? Would you see any Premier League team going all out to get Jose Mourinho? And who would it be? I think his next job, I think his next job is the Portugal job. I'll be brilliant. Honest. Portugal job, and then, and then take things from there. That's that's my view. I don't think, of course, clubs will want to go for him. There'll be, you know, if his stock has hurt so bad, there may be a lower, a lower, like a, I'm not 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 a Bournemouth. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But someone will put a, a bid to him and say, "Hang on, you can turn this into a long-term project." Alan Newcastle, there's one. Rafa's out of contract at the end of the year. Maybe go for him. <laughs> someone, someone will try to come after him, and and there will be rumours circling around. But I honestly think his next job is going to be, be it you know, in next summer or the summer after Euro 2020, his next job is going to be Portugal. Yeah. I know he's often flirted with Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. And he's often oh, if I was offered the Paris Saint-Germain job. If PSV don't crack the Champions League this year, they'll go for the next manager they think can crack the Holy Grail for them. And I can see uh, Paris Saint-Germain offering him the job in future. Whether he'll take it, it's another matter. Marcus, any any thoughts on... Well, is, is he going to arrive at St. James's Park, according to Matt? I mean, it... uh, well, he is on New Year's Day, but only just to beat Newcastle <laughs> on Scott. Apart from that, no, probably not. 
for Jose, I, I'd personally uh, post match. Well, to be honest, I'd wager he'll still be there next season. But that's just me. If he wasn't, uh, uh, if if I was Jose Mourinho, and I was shown the door by next May or June, personally, I would take that year out, uh, to spend time with the family, recharge the batteries, take some time off. You know, there's no real necessity to work aside from, you know, going mad with boredom. Uh, you know, you could even look to. I mean. It'd be a huge coup for something like Monday Night Football on Sky Sports. You know they'd be all over that. Him as a pundit. Oh yeah. Uh, on offs. Uh, but apart from that, I, I would then I think he would almost get his smile back from doing that, from enjoying football more instead of being constantly under the cosh from the press. And then when he did come back, it would be one of uh, either Portugal national job, which looks unlikely, uh, according to James and their current coach. If he's happy, there, that's fair enough. Uh, back to Porto where he started maybe to rebuild them and like get away from the limelight or being Jose and he wants to stay in the limelight it would be a new project in a new country so somewhere either like PSG which has already been mentioned or even to conquer Germany be it um, be it uh, Bayern Munich be that's it. an interesting shout because you know that Bayern Munich are under a bit of pressure at the moment that's a that's a good shout no one's mentioned that yeah you know, so to Bayern Munich that's a good that's a good Clever Marcus, clever Marcus, you good puff, good puff. I have, I have my <laughs> You do, right? I think that more or less wraps up that one, and we're gonna end. We're gonna end this with just a little bit of a, 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 a nice, light-hearted, and finally segment. And uh, although it doesn't really come from a light-hearted place, um, I, this is my topic for tonight. I was listening to I was listening to an old episode of Mike and Mike, which is an ESPN radio show over in America. And the topic came up about Alex Rodriguez. I'm sure many, um, some of you may know who Alex Rodriguez is. If you don't, I'll fill you in. He's a baseball player, uh, played for the New York Yankees, as well as Texas Rangers, Seattle Mariners. But he was accused and then you know, convicted is the wrong word, but found guilty of using steroids, was suspended for a year, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. But the debate came up. Alex Rodriguez was one of the one of the highest paid players in Major League Baseball. I think it's over his career he'd earned about two hundred million dollars plus. I'm sure. I think that may have just been one one contract, but no, multi multi millions. And the question came up: What would you be happy with that lifestyle? You know, yes, you you know you've won a World Series ring. Yes, you have hit six hundred home runs. Yes, you have three thousand hits. But are you happy being tainted as a drugs cheat and making and making all those hundreds of millions of dollars? Are you okay that your reputation has been sort of tarnished in that way? You know, you're probably not going to get into the Hall of Fame now as a result of it. But has making all that money and all those years playing has that made has that made up for it? And on a similar level. Um, you look at what's going on right now with Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, we don't want to speculate or do anything. It's just accusations at this point. We don't want to speculate or say anything further. But you look at you look at the life Cristiano Ronaldo has led. You know all those goals, all those trophies. You know, lauded as a god at three clubs: Sporting Lisbon, Manchester United, and Real Madrid. But there's some negatives to it. You know, he'll always be compared. There's, there's, he'll always be, there'll always be the majority of people that say you're never as good as Messi. There'll always be those who say, well, he's a bit of a dick, basically, the way, the way he acts on the pitch. Uh, he's a one man show. He's not a team player, all that sort of stuff. You know, and I was thinking, you know, it would be great to leave Cristiano Ronaldo's life. But then again, I had all these thoughts and I think, no, would it really? Would it really be good to live Cristiano Ronaldo's life? Would you be happy scoring all those goals, making all those millions, um, marrying an attractive woman, all that sort of stuff, having a great kid, all that stuff, but then always have these things in the back of your mind? So my question to the panel is, if you could lead the life of any footballer, and I'm just going to keep it to on-the-pitch matters for this, just on-the-pitch matters, if you could lead the life of any footballer, which one would it be? Uh, James, I'll come to you first. Um, if I could choose, I would lead the life of Ayan Nalobin. Because if you look at what the man has achieved in terms of trophies and the clubs he's played for and um, 
and how respected he is uh, at all of those clubs and also his national team, um, I would sign for that. If I was gifted enough to be a professional footballer, you earn handsomely enough. So I would make it quite clear to any club that wanted me, I want to win things and I want to win, I want to win and I want to win again. And if you look at the case of Arjen Robben, he's won, um, he's won the Bundesliga seven times, he's won La Liga, he's won the Premier League, he's won the Eredivisie here in um, here in the Netherlands. He's uh, won the Champions League as well and uh, accumulated almost 100 caps for the Netherlands and uh, was one of the best players and made his, made his mark at a World Cup as well. And uh, yeah, I, would, uh, I wouldn't mind the career that he's had. You know, he's one of the, I think he's the most decorated player at club level here in the Netherlands in terms of the amount of trophies he's won. And um, yeah, I just think it's very, very impressive. And if that was me, I'd, I'd, want, my, uh, I'd want my trophy cabinet to be bursting at the seams. Okay, so James has gone for Iron Robin, an int- a very, very much an interesting choice. I think. Didn't you float the idea of Dennis Bergkamp whilst we were sort of chatting about this previously? Um, yeah, but uh, although Bergkamp is by far and away the greatest Arsenal player I have ever seen, I think if I was a professional, um, I just want to win so much and has to have something to show for my. Uh, for my career, I'd hate to have, I'd hate to play for 15 years and win nothing, or you know that would be the worst case scenario. You know you might well have an extra couple of million in your bank account, but you were gifted enough to be a professional footballer and you didn't win a sausage. If that was me, that would drive me around the bend. So I would like, uh, I would a, a combination of primarily winning in every country you play in. And winning, winning trophies of substance, and having something to show for it, as well as uh, as earning good money too. Okay, so okay, so James has gone for Iron Robin. Uh, Marcus, who do you who do you want to go for? You had an interesting uh, theory, or the one you wanted to go for initially. I, I wonder if you've changed it. Well, you've cha- you've moved the goalpost. You've said strictly on the pitch, haven't you? Yes. Strictly, yeah. So I can't stick with my answer because it would. Which be, was initially. It was. It was Paul Gascoigne. I would love to have lived that career, going all even, even, even everything hometown. that's even everything that's come after the way that he's living now. Really, still. Well, well, we're talking about football career, aren't we? I'm talking. Okay, fair enough then. But yeah. e- even so, well, uh, the press coverage because I'm look. I'm trying to think of a footballer. I'm not thinking about accolades here. I'm going down a different line to James. Whilst James is talking about success, I'm talking about strictly enjoyment. Now you can always ha- you can always have both there, uh, but if we're not going to if we're going to go strictly on the pitch, I'd probably have to go with the greatest player that I've seen in my lifetime. Didn't have a chance to see him in the flesh, but I'd probably go with Ronaldinho. Like the man, every time he played, he just looked like he was having so much fun on the football pitch. He was like he was so proud to play for his country. He was so humbled to be playing for Barcelona. He was so effortless um, with his talents. And then, you know, passing on those talents and guidance to, you know, someone like Messi and then being lauded, you know, and uh, and loved the world over. I can't think of anyone that really has a negative comment to make about someone like Ronaldinho uh, be his, on, on his on-the-pitch abilities or his accolades. World Cup winner as well. Uh, star man for Brazil, you know, took the number 10 jersey at club and country and uh, just uh, always with a smile on his face. And with that, with that enjoyment of the game and with his natural ability came the success as well. So, yeah, you know, based on those points and namely for how much he loved it and how much he expressed his love for the game through his flair, through his skill, through uh, whatever his goals and whatever else he achieved on the pitch, yeah, I'd go with Ronaldinho. Okay, in terms, I've I've gone for a, I've gone for a similar one. I'm going to leave mine till last. But so on the similar level of how how well they enjoyed the game, I've I'm gone for a similar. Colin, who's yours? Um, well, just firstly, Marcus, I, I like I like the shout of Ronaldinho, but you would have to also live with that t- those teeth. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, yeah, half yeah, your way. He can afford the toothpaste, he'll be alright. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I, I don't know. I really struggle with this because I think it depends whether you want to be a person who's in the limelight and look at me, look at me, look at me, or whether you want 
oh, I'm fed up with the football. Ugh, I just want a quiet life where nobody knows who I am in the street. Um, so I'm, I'm struck between those two. I mean, I'd find it a lot easier if it was sports person rather than footballer. Um, I could think of a, f- a couple of Formula One drivers I'd like to be. Um, but I don't know. I think it would either be... <laughs> this is crazy, right? If if I was... I don't know. Let's say um, I'm going to be... My footballers, I'm going to be schizophrenic, right? So I'm going to get a choice of two here. So One of them is going to be Billy Bremner, isn't it? I can no, just tell. no, 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 no. Um, one of them is going to be David Beckham. I don't think you can have a better life than that, Right? When you enjoy the fun times, do you know what I mean? Photograph me and me underpants, fantastic. And then release another fragrance. Da, da, da. But then also on the flip side, I think somebody who's had fun on the pitch and also seems to have fun outside it, but not too crazy, and I don't know where I've got this from, is Tim Cahill. He's he's not he's not okay. He's not achieved everything. I think it'd be terrible to sort of win World Cups, win Premier Leagues, win Ballon d'Ors, and then all of a sudden you get injured and retire, and you're like, oh, it's a bit rubbish now. I've got to watch Holmes under the hammer. Do you know but, what I mean? So I think it's almost a little bit better to, to not have hit the heights because then you'll always strive for that, but you'll never be able to match it. But you still but, match potential and ability, and you've almost become a cult hero as well. So you've still had some sort of form of success whilst enjoying your career. Yes, so I don't have to cry myself to sleep at night because I'm never going to win another Champions League medal, but I can still go into any pub in Australia and they'll buy me a pint. But surely, Colin, the fact that you've won it would make you really happy. And I know in in my case, if I was a professional and I did not win a sausage... After my career, particularly, it would drive me round the bend. I wouldn't be able to sleep. I'd think, bloody hell! I played for 15 years. I didn't win nothing. You know, I didn't win it. Didn't win it. Didn't even win the Spanish Cup. Didn't even win the French Cup. Didn't even win the Dutch League. You know, all these things. It would, it would drive me absolutely insane. But personally. also, but also imagine, right? You've got a really attractive girlfriend. Okay, she's hot. Okay, and then she she leaves you, okay, to go out with Tim Cahill or whoever, and then you you know the the same a few years have passed and the same sort of quality of model isn't coming your way, and so you, you're putting up with something a, a few pounds heavier, a few years older, da 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 da. da. You're always going to go back and think, well, yeah, yeah, she's nice and everything, but Brenda was hot. You know what I mean? You're always going to have that in the back of your mind, aren't you? That's what's that's, 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 Brenda? I don't know. It's the first word that came to my head. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Right, okay, I think, I think all that's left for me is for me to reveal my one. And my one... My player had has had his fair of fun off the pitch, given who given who he's married to. Um, I did initially have two trains of thought in this. It was either going to be Steven Gerrard, because oh my word, how can you not have wanted any a career any better than that? But then he will always have that thing of never winning the league. So I thought, hang on, who has won that? And I thought, ah, Francesco Totti, same sort of thing, hometown hero, played all those years through, never won the Champions League. And can you read in for a club like Roma to go all oh, that never win the gem? That's got to hurt you. So who's the one player who's won? This is one of the rare things. A player who's won everything there is to win. Pele. No, that's a lie. Pele's well, not alive. dead. Yeah, yet. But anyway, my one, it's Gerard Piquet. Can you think of a player who's had a better career than Gerard Piquet? All those, all those La Ligas that he's won. All those Champions Leagues he's won, two European Cups, he's won the World Cup, and I know we're keeping this to on the pitch, but my word, after every bad game that he has, he goes home to Shakira. Can you think of a better life than that? I don't think there is. Ah, you see, you, you're into mixing a little bit of Brenda now with it, aren't you? <laughs> yes, but 
Mine would have been Gerard Piquet anyway, just because of the career. I, you could easily have Carlos Puyol in there. But yeah, I, could never, I could never live without a haircut. So it's got to be Gerard Piquet, who's won more or less every single thing that Carlos Puyol has won. Ramos? Ramos? Uh, yeah, but there's there's a little bit of a... It, it, given the choice, over these times, over the same sort of period of time, who would you rather be with, Barcelona or Real Madrid? Real Madrid. Real Madrid. You'd rather have Real Madrid. See, I personally, even though I can't stand Barcelona to a club, I would personally have... And also because it's the hometown thing, because he was born, he's a local Barcelona lad. That's the thing that sort of pushes over the top, where Sergio Ramos came from Valencia, I want Sevilla. to Seville. It was one of the two, and I guess wrong. So there's that there's that added thing as well. You know, it's a local it's a local player who's who's doing all this rather than rather than Sergio Ramos. Maradona seems to have a lot of fun. Again, Maradona seems to have a lot of fun. He's been yeah, successful. Yeah, Maradona's, Maradona's a good show. Interesting that we've all gone for current. We've all gone for current players. No, none of us went. None of us went back in. Well, not Ronaldinho, but none of us went beyond the year two thousand, basically. Well, it could have gone George Best, but I was going to say yeah. No, George Best, Bobby Charlton. He, he had a he had a great career. No, Pele, Maradona. No one's no Gaincha. All those names. All those names. Right. Pushkas has an award named after him. David Beckham's got a squat named after him. It's an odd one. But anyway, that just about wraps up what has been episode one of The Big Debate, part of football's biggest conversation. I want to thank every one of you for listening in your tens, I'm sure. Um, as I say again, feel free to uh, put forward any topics uh, for future podcasts. We will no, no reasonable topic will be turned down. All that's for us to say is a very good night from me. It's a good night from James. Good night, everybody. It's a good night from Colin. Good night. And one more, it's a good night from Marcus. It's a good night from him. You guys all take care.